Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Tonight, I am coming to you from my basement. My family is asleep upstairs. I am recording this after the first round of the NFL draft is over. It's after midnight. It's actually after 1 a.m. on the East Coast here, and we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a quick episode. I'm going to try to get through all these players, all the offensive skill position players who were taken in the first round and let you know what I think their value is moving forward now that we know their landing spots. And a few of them, especially the quarterbacks, ended up in pretty ideal landing spots. If you read my article earlier in the week, I broke down what the perfect landing spots for them would be. And all four quarterbacks that went in the first round ended up on those teams. So that's great to see for their fantasy value moving forward. I want to go through all these players, though. I did instant draft analysis and I provided immediate projections. Now, it's an early look. These projections are obviously going to change. We're going to see these teams draft more guys over the next couple of days here. So there's a lot of things in play. But right now, I wanted to give you an idea of how I view these players, not just where I'm going to seat them in the fantasy rankings, but also what kind of numbers, what kind of stats I think that they're going to produce as rookies. So let's start off with Joe Burrow. Not a big surprise. Burrow went number one overall to the Bengals. As far as his projection, now, I think he's going to start all 16 games. I had a couple people online question me about that. I don't think Andy Dalton's even going to be on this roster come week one. We're going to see him get traded or maybe even released. Burrow, when you take a guy number one overall, normally, not always, but normally, you're going to get him into that starting role before week one. Now, it's a bit of a different offseason, I know, but I still think the Bengals are going to want to have him under center when the season kicks off. As far as his projection, 16 games, like I said, 4,074 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, but also, and here's the sneaky part, 293 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and I also threw in five fumbles there, rookie quarterbacks, not a great offensive line yet. He's probably going to get hit quite a bit, and we'll see him drop the ball just a little bit there. Now, I say that it's a sneaky part with the rushing stats because I don't know that everybody realizes just how much that could boost his value. We're not talking about a guy who's Lamar Jackson. We're not talking about a guy who's even like Josh Allen necessarily was in his rookie season or obviously in his sophomore season putting up big, big numbers on the ground. But Burrow is athletic and he can run. He's going to get after it. And that is going to increase his fantasy value for sure. And I like the landing spot. He's got great weapons. We're talking about A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross showed he could do some things last year, stretching the defenses. Joe Mixon, we know he might hold out, but we'll see how that all works itself out. If he's on the field, Mixon, one of the best young running backs in the game. And then you have an offensive-minded coach in Zach Taylor there as well. I know late last season, they went very run heavy with their play calling to the point where it looked like they didn't even want to be there. They were just running the ball constantly, even when they were losing in games. I don't think that's a sign of what's to come, though. I don't think this is going to be a run first offense. I think they were just trying to get through the season last year. Now we're going to see them come back this year with a new potential franchise quarterback that can ignite this offense. I want to see that offensive line get better. Their first round pick last year, Jonah Williams, is going to be back healthy. Hopefully he can get right back up to speed. And if he jumps on that line and maybe they add another player or two throughout the draft here, that really could start things turning around in that offense. So I like this spot for Burrow. I think he's going to be a QB two and have some upside. He could flirt 
with low-end QB1 numbers. That's possible. It's more likely that he's going to be a QB2, more of a bi-week replacement guy, but he's on my list of late-round quarterbacks that I'm going to target just because he has those weapons and that upside, and I think he is going to play for the entire season here. Now, we saw a couple other quarterbacks get taken, two others in the top 10. Tua Tagovailoa goes to the Dolphins after all, the whole tank for Tua thing last year. The Dolphins clearly were tanking, trading away a bunch of their good players, In the end, they stuck with Fitzpatrick. They won more games than they expected to, and they ended up picking fifth overall, not first overall. But because of Tua's hip injury, he fell a little bit and ends up on the Dolphins anyway. Now for Tua, it's very difficult to give him a projection because we don't really know where his injury status is at. Is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Are the Dolphins going to redshirt him in his rookie year? We don't know what's going to happen. We'll have to wait till training camp to get more of an idea there. I pegged him for eight starts. I think they'll go with Fitzpatrick early in the season, and then around the midway point in the year, we'll see them flip over to Tua. It could be earlier. It could be later. We don't know the situation at all just because of that injury, but for his projection over eight starts, I had him over 2,000 yards, 2,023 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions, with 89 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown, and three fumbles. Tua is not as aggressive running the ball. He's going to end up as more of, really, he's going to end up more, his his peak, his best possible outcome is more of like a Drew Brees quarterback. Now that's lofty goals to set for himself there, but that's the kind of player he's going to be. So don't expect Tua to come out and run the ball as much as some of these other young quarterbacks might. I like that he ended up on the Dolphins, though. They have some good weapons. I've talked about this a lot. Devontae Parker breaking out last year. Preston Williams, really surprising as an undrafted free agent. Mike Gusecki turning it on a little bit after disappointing in his rookie season. So there are some good weapons there. We're going to see the Dolphins continue to build around these guys. I I like where they're going. They're going in the right direction. It scares me a little bit as a Bills fan that they're doing this rebuild the right way. But to his fantasy outlook anyway, he has top 10 upside. He really could be that good. But the odds are that it's going to be a while before we see him get on the field. And he has to prove that he can get over these durability concerns before we can really trust him. But he has low-end quarterback one upside if everything ends up going his way. Justin Herbert went one pick later, six overall to the Chargers. Now, I don't think he's on the same level as Tua and Burrow in this draft class, but Herbert has a chance to produce. And much like I said about Burrow, he's another guy that's going to put up decent rushing stats. Now, I don't think that he is going to be ready to start in week one. I think Anthony Lynn is committed to Tyrod Taylor starting the season, but we saw how this plays out when Tyrod Taylor was with the Browns. He got a couple starts. Things didn't go well. The team realized the limitations that he put on their offense. He's great in terms of protecting the ball, and yes, he can run a little bit, but he's capping what you can do on offense by having him as your starting quarterback. Justin Herbert's someone that has more skills, has higher upside than Tyrod Taylor does. So I projected him for 10 starts. It's going to be a similar situation. We're going to see him step in around midseason, in my opinion. And I projected him for 2,216 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, with 260 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and four fumbles. Think about the weapons in that offense. If you get a quarterback who can throw the ball, and no knock on Tyrod. Tyrod is 
a good backup, and he's proven that at times he can be a spot starter in the NFL, but he is not a 16-game starter right now at this point in his career. So Herbert can come in, and he boosts the upside of guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler. If you went with Tyrod Taylor for the full 16 games, all the projections for those guys are going to fall because the piece of the pie is not going to be as big for each of those guys. I know that the Chargers run a very slow-paced offense. They did that last year. And I know they seem very committed to running the ball, to playing good defense, maybe not throwing as much, but at least with Herbert under center, they will have that option to open up the offense a little bit more if everything goes his way. So he has a chance to break into the top 12 for stretches at times once he gets under center just because he also has that rushing ability and I would liken him more to a guy like Josh Allen where he could bring that he could surprise some people not that he put up those big rushing stats in college but he has that in his range of outcomes but right now once he gets under center you're going to look at him another guy who's going to be a QB2 with a little bit of upside there but he might need a a year of seasoning. We're not going to see him step in necessarily and put up huge stats right away. Just the fact that he has that rushing ability is going to make him valuable for fantasy. Now, then the receivers started going off the board a little bit later, and Henry Ruggs was the first one to go. He went 12th overall to the Raiders. I didn't have him on the same level as CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy, but in my ideal landing spot, I actually had Ruggs going to the Raiders, and that's because... He is not just a one-trick pony. He is not just a speed demon, a field stretcher. Because he has that 4-2-7 speed, a lot of people want to put him in that category. He's got more skills than that. He's feisty. He's tough. He's willing to fight for balls. He can jump and actually contend catches in the air and come down with that ball. And he does remind me a lot of Tyree Kill. Now, if he ended up on a team like... The Broncos, where a lot of people were mocking him too, he wouldn't get the same kind of volume that he might see in the Raiders offense because going to the Raiders offense, he is going to be the number one receiver there. They have a massive void. They tried the Antonio Brown thing last year. It didn't work out. Tyrell Williams is not a number one. He profiles as more of a number two receiver. Hunter Renfro is a slot guy. I know he had a couple big games down the stretch, but he doesn't have elite upside. Henry Ruggs does. Now, I don't feel as confident that he's going to reach that upside as I do with a guy like Jerry Judy or a guy like CeeDee Lamb. I think they have a lot more talent, but Ruggs in this offense where he's going to get a lot more volume than he would with a lot of other teams just because the need that the Raiders have at that position, it's looking pretty good for him. It moves his stock way up compared to if he had landed with one of those other teams. It helps Derek Carr out, though Derek Carr is still going to be outside my top 20 when it comes to the fantasy rankings. And it does move Tyrell Williams and and Hunter Renfro's stock down, but they weren't really guys that I was looking to invest in. So I have Ruggs projection right now at 55 receptions, 867 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. He has potential to do more than that, but we're talking about his rookie season here, and a lot of receivers have a bit of a learning curve when they enter the league, so I'm not going all out on that projection yet, and I think he is one of those players that his speed will translate right away, but he needs to develop just a little bit more before we start putting him in that range of a wide receiver two or even a wide receiver one, but he has that kind of upside. Right now, I have more in that wide receiver three range where maybe if everything goes right, he could move into the top 20.
Jerry Judy ends up being the one that actually goes to the Broncos at 15th overall. His projection, 63 receptions, 879 yards, and seven touchdowns. But he's going to have a much tougher hill to climb in this offense because he has target competition. Cortland Sutton already established himself last year as the number one in this offense. Now, Judy has the skills to be a top receiver, but now he's going to the Broncos where they're a run-first team, where they already have Cortland Sutton. It's going to make things a little more difficult on him. Now, I love his route running ability. It makes him pro ready. He can already gain separation. I'm not worried about that at all. He went against top level competition in the SEC and he made defenders look silly on a regular basis there. For him to reach his ceiling with the Broncos though, he's going to need to show that he can be more physical. I want to see him fight a little more and I want to see him maybe clean up some of those drops. He had a lot of foolish drops in college that I think he can clean up in the pros. If he does that, he will have a chance to unseat Cortland Sutton, but this might be a 1A, 1B type situation where one week one guy steps up, the next week the other one steps up. So it really helps Drew Lockout. It gives him his best chance at succeeding as a pro quarterback. And for me, it bumps down not only Judy, not only Sutton, but Noah Fant as well, because now there's going to be a lot more competition, and that Broncos offense, like I said, they want to beef up that line. They just signed Melvin Gordon. They showed last year they want to run that ball. Vic Fangio is the coach there. They're going to play defense. They're going to run the ball, and there are not going to be as many targets for these receivers. So I don't love the landing spot for Judy whatsoever here. I still have him as a wide receiver three because I think his talent translates, but it's not a landing spot where he is going to get monster targets in his rookie season. Now, CeeDee Lamb, who is my favorite receiver in this class, ends up in the most bizarre landing spot. He goes to the Cowboys 17th overall. Just, you could not have dreamed up a worse scenario for Lamb. Does he have the talent to maybe someday become the top receiver in that offense? Yes, he does. He definitely does. But he is going to enter the league competing for targets with Amari Cooper, with Michael Gallup, with Blake Jarwin. That is a lot of guys to go up against. And you have Gallup and Cooper going over 1,100 yards last season. And now he's going to have to contend with them. So both of them under contract for another two years. We know Cooper just signed that big five-year deal. Maybe there'll be a trade to make here for Dallas. Or maybe they plan on just going into the season with arguably the best trio of receivers in the league right now. So it's great for Dak Prescott. Dak had the second most fantasy points among quarterbacks last year. He's going to have an excellent chance to repeat that. But for Lamb, this has to bump him down into the wide receiver four range. If he had gone to a team like the Raiders, I would have had him in my top 24. But right now, he's more around the top 40 or so. And if you remember, now Randall Cobb last year playing in the slot in that offense, he had 83 targets in that offense. So if you can get Lamb those targets, if maybe he siphons a little bit off Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, maybe we could be talking about him getting up into that range where he's really fantasy relevant. But right now, my projection is 51 receptions, 759 receiving yards, and four touchdowns. And overall, I'm very disappointed that he ended up in Dallas. Jalen Rieger, a lot of people are excited about. He went to the Eagles 21st overall. All the rumors were true. Anybody that's been following my content, though, you know that I'm not as big of a Jalen Rieger fan. Now, 
this is a very good landing spot for him just because we saw what happened in that offense last year. When they didn't have the speed, they got crushed. All the injuries just decimated that receiving core. They lost Alshon Jeffrey. They lost Deshaun Jackson. They were playing Greg Ward and the rookie who we expected to maybe step up, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, didn't do anything anything last season. It was a very tough situation for them. And now Alshon Jeffrey's future with the team is kind of unknown. He's been put out there in potential trade rumors. Maybe he's a guy who could even get cut. It's a bit of a a falling out there with the team. So we'll see what happens with Jeffrey because that will impact Jalen Rieger's value as well. Right now, I have a very timid projection. I think he's a guy that a lot of people are going to get excited about. But if everyone's healthy at the start of the season and if Jeffrey is still on this roster, I don't see him getting big volume at all. So I have him at 37 receptions, 346 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. He is a dynamic playmaker. He's very explosive. He can contribute on special teams for sure right away. But I think he's going to be more of an inconsistent weapon in the pros rather than a full-time star, which is what a lot of people are expecting from him. He could maybe take over for Deshaun Jackson when Deshaun Jackson either gets hurt or calls it a career in the next season or two. He could fill that role. I don't think he's going to be as good as Deshaun Jackson has been in his pro career, but think of that guy who once in a while can pop off for a huge game, but week to week isn't someone that you're going to trust to get big volume or to put up big stats. A guy who's best deployed as maybe your wide receiver three or a flex player because they can give you that week winning upside but it's not going to happen every week for them. And when you look at all the other weapons on this offense right now, drafting a wide receiver in the first round, it doesn't help. There was already a lot of competition for targets when you're talking about Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson and Ortega Whiteside, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. All of those guys are going to compete. So for Jalen Rieger to come in right away and get big volume, I don't see it happening, but we got a long way to go before the start of the season and more moves to make. Like I said, Jeffrey could be somebody who's on the outs in Philly. Justin Jefferson ends up with the Vikings 22nd overall. There isn't anything exciting about this landing spot. Some people are going to look and say, well, Stefan Diggs left and he can step into that role. Jefferson is a much different player than Stefan Diggs. He actually profiles a lot closer to someone like Adam Thielen, a guy with great hands and a guy who's at his best being deployed out of the slot. And I've talked about it, but Jefferson posted that absurd catch rate in college, caught 91% of his targets last year, ended up with 111 receptions on the season, over 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns. But we have to take into account that those numbers were a little bit inflated because of a great scheme, because of a great quarterback. Now with Minnesota... You can argue whether Kirk Cousins is a great quarterback or not. He fills his role admirably. I don't think he's an elite player by any means. But in this system, we know the Vikings are a run-heavy team. I don't love this for Jefferson because he's not going to get the volume in this offense. It's the same problem that Stefan Diggs ran into that made him want to leave this team. Jefferson is a guy who, I said, early in his career has 100-catch potential in the NFL. He's that kind of player But in Minnesota, I don't see that happening. He needed to end up with a club that was going to deploy him as their number one, that was going to feed him targets in the slot. And Minnesota is just not that team. This hurts Adam Thielen because Thielen's at his best playing out of the slot. And now you have to think Jefferson is going to steal some of those snaps. 
This hurts Irv Smith Jr. and Kyle Rudolph, who maybe would have got a little more work if the number two in the offense was just Tajay Sharp or BC Johnson. But now that you have Jefferson coming in, those guys get bumped down to pecking order too. It's good news for Kirk Cousins, but Cousins still isn't someone that I'm going to invest in just because of the run-heavy nature of that offense. Now, the 49ers were a team that we thought might grab a receiver when they were picking at 13. They traded down a little bit. They decided to address the defensive line. Instead, they go and grab Brandon Ayuk at 25th overall. Incoming offensive players want to play for Kyle Shanahan. They should anyway. So ending up in this offense is a good thing for a versatile player like Ayuk, somebody that has that big playability, but he's got a lot of room where he's going to need to evolve in order to become the best possible NFL player he can be. I'd like to see him expand and even refine his route tree. That's going to be the first thing that he should address. We're also going to have to see how he confronts press coverage. That's something that I think he's going to have to improve as well. If he can upgrade in those areas and in this offense with this coaching staff gives him a great shot to do that. But don't forget, we thought Dante Pettis was going to be a player who could be a big play weapon in this offense and things just didn't come together for him. So it's not guaranteed that Ayuk's going to become this extremely productive player, but he can be. That is within his range of outcomes playing across from Debo Samuel. He also just underwent core muscle surgery, so he should be healthy in time for training camp. We don't really know at this point whether that's going to affect the rookie projection whatsoever, but right now I have him at 43 receptions, 649 receiving yards, and four touchdowns, and he's someone that I'm going to put on my list as a high upside late round target who's going to bump down the outlooks for Jalen Hurd and any hope that we had that Dante Pettis might finally get things together, or even someone like Kendrick Bourne, who's caught a few touchdowns there, who got a little more work just because some of those other guys didn't step up. All those guys get a bump down. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo gets a little bit of a bump up because he's got another pass-catching weapon. The Packers, at 26th overall, decide to take a player they hope can be their future successor to Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. He's going to spend a couple years backing up Rodgers, and that's actually a great thing for him. We can argue whether they should have spent this pick on a player who could help immediately. They're in a championship window here. Rodgers is at the end of his career. But Green Bay is taking the approach that they took when Brett Favre was at the end of his career by drafting Rodgers, letting him sit for a couple years, and trying to get the most out of a player that they clearly value a little bit higher than where he went, which was at the end of the first round. Love has a lot of natural talent. His arm at times looks elite. He flashes that kind of ability. The area that he struggles in is decision-making, and that's something that you can really improve. So spending a couple years in Matt LaFleur's system with that coaching staff under Rodgers, who I know Rodgers can be a little disgruntled at times. Hopefully he'll be willing to bring Love along with him here. If that happens, it's great news for Love's value. I also like this for Devonte Adams' value. Now we're talking more long-term here, but we weren't really sure. Adams is only 27 years old. We weren't really sure who was going to be the quarterback when Rodgers eventually calls it a career, which could happen in a couple seasons here. We don't know, but it's coming sooner rather than later. And now this at least gives you some hope that they have a succession plan, that there could be a quality option in place when Rodgers does hang him up. So I like this for Adams, but that's more of a, a dynasty outlook there. 
the final pick of the first round, and maybe one of the most exciting for fantasy, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes to the Chiefs. It was a luxury pick. I thought they were going to go defense, but they had the option to really go wherever they want as the defending champs. And they take a running back who can be a three-down workhorse in this offense, who has outstanding pass-catching ability, who can work that way. It's another weapon for Mahomes. And we saw Damian Williams, he performed extremely well in this offense when he was healthy, but he isn't the most talented running back. He was just taking advantage of a great situation. Now you have Edwards Hilaire there, who has some more skill, who can show us what a very talented running back can do when these defenses are focused on trying to slow down Mahomes and that passing attack. Edwards Hilaire, he's a compact player. He's a little bit shorter, but just a powerful lower body, can grind out yards. And like I said, he has excellent receiving skills. Somebody who put up a monster year at LSU last season. And he's the kind of player that fits today's game in the NFL. He's extremely quick. He's dynamic. They're going to take advantage of that route running ability that he has. And it's not hyperbole to say that he has top 12 upside, even as a rookie. It could happen. I'm going to have him just outside of that range, and I might be low on his projection. I still think Damian Williams would be involved a little bit in that offense. I don't know if they'll completely turn it over to the rookie and give him 300 touches this season, but right now my projection is 214 carries, 984 rushing yards, seven touchdowns, two fumbles with 41 receptions, 278 receiving yards and one touchdown, and that puts him right around the the top 15 for fantasy. It's a very exciting spot for a running back to land. We thought DeAndre Swift had a chance to end up there, maybe even Jonathan Taylor. It turns out to be Hilaire. This is great for fantasy news, and it's going to move him up in my Dynasty rookie rankings, potentially to that number one spot. He is going to have a lot of value over the next couple seasons. That is all for today's show. If you want more draft content, make sure you're scrolling around the score app and checking out the NFL fantasy news section. You can also hit me up with your questions on Twitter at Justin Boone. I'm going to be back with another episode on the weekend after the entire draft is complete. And I'll let you know all the important picks from rounds two through round seven. But until then, big thanks to the score managing editor, Navaswani for editing my live analysis post throughout the entire round one took some of the workload off of our copy desk. He also cut me a sweet picture of Roger Goodell announcing the picks from his basement, and that eventually went on to become my main image on the post. Uh, Nav's not only a friend of mine, but he's as good of a guy as there is out there. Honestly, I challenge you to find somebody better. I also got to give big thanks to everybody out there for listening to this, especially if you're listening to it when it comes out early, early Friday morning on the East Coast. So big thanks for that, and we'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time, leave on time with me.